Hey, welcome to episode 27? 26. 26 of the Connect 2 podcast. I'm ahead of myself. My name is Jeff Cullen. I'm Mark Hughes. 26 means half a year. Ooh, that's right. We've been doing this six for months. Six months. Holy smokes. That is impressive. Congratulations. Congratulations. To us. Yes. <laughs> uh, I have a goal. I noticed that we were sitting at 374 downloads uh, as of today. I think we need to step up our marketing and see if we get to 500 by... By Christmas. Yes, exactly. We'll do that. We'll see if we get uh, some more people doing the download thing. I've Um, talked to... uh, I've been in contact or or indirectly with some people that have been listening. And we have one of our listeners. So this is a premature mailbag who has discovered pour over coffee again because of our podcast. Ah, that was nice. That. Boom. That, that boom. So we're changing lives here. That's <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. So if you're new to the channel, rate, review, subscribe. Yep. Send mail. Send mail. Yeah. Um, Facebook, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook page. Yeah. And connect to podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. And today we have coffee and two Danishes from the Artisan Bait Shop, who is not a sponsor. But Wonderful. they are across the street from my studio. Yeah, so they are conveniently located. Conveniently located. And we're having some uh, number nine coffee from Ace. Nice. It's a Chemex. Which is just Ooh, a... That's quite nice. A large, um, a large, a large old-fashioned... Um, coffee machine. Coffee, coffee maker. Coffee maker. It's coffee maker. It's not yeah, a machine. It's not a machine. Yeah. There's no machine. That's right. Does the number nine have any significance? Is it a Beatles thing? Or, uh... <laughs> That's a good question. Hey, I, uh, 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 when I was doing the Facebook updates uh, for the episode that dropped on today, which is February the 23rd. November. Uh, November. Yep. The other, other February. Yeah. Did I say February? You did, February 23rd. Yes. Thank God. The lips are moving, but the okay. brain is not engaged. The hamster must be dead up there. there so what did you discover? Uh, well, two things. One was I, I saw the uh, the trailer for the Beatles episode, The Get Back, because yep. you had mentioned it. Yeah, Peter Jackson. And uh, so that's coming out imminently, I think, within the next week or so. Yep. And the other, the other thing was uh, the Tom Segura thing. I actually listened to part of their a podcast, and it was like Two Bears, One Cave, I think. Was <laughs> it, was just a, it was just it was a bit weird. Yeah, definitely a bit off color. but Yeah, uh, they are definitely weird, but yeah. it is amusing. Yeah. So what two things <laughs> did you learn this week? Or one thing, two things, whatever. Well, the first thing I learned, I j- just momentarily, this popped up on Twitter, is that the system of government that we are living under, uh, or at least uh, f- a form of it, there's a term for it. It's called a pathocracy, and it's defined as a system of government created by a small pathological minority that takes control over a society of normal people. Uh, it can masquerade under the guise of a democracy or a theocracy, as well as more openly oppressive regimes. And there's a list here of of, of characteristics and uh, 20 of them. And I'd say that we are on a spectrum of, you know, it's not extreme, but there's definitely flavors of all of them. So yay us. Yay. <laughs> so for our Danishes, there's blueberry and apple. Wonderful. Which one, which one are you going to have? Now, uh, I'll try a blueberry. Okay. Yeah. I'll go for you. So we do know that the, the only way to fight uh, an autocratic or pathocratic government is uh, 
through connection, right? You, and and organizing and and ground level community, and so you know we're doing our small part here. Excellent, changing lives one 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 voice at a time. So that's one thing I learned. Um, the other thing I learned is that uh, your teenager's development from seven to 14 is not linear. My wife and I were just talking about this yesterday because this is a gentleman in our November project who just turned 62, which is seven years older than I am. And so I was just doing the math in my head and I was like, oh yeah, Victor be 21. And my wife, Paula and I were talking and we started thinking about how if you go back seven years, you know, there was this sort of long plateau of childhood. <laughs> and all of a sudden, probably in the last 12 months, we've gone from, it's almost like that explosion of growth. It's, it's really true. Like, you know, like eight to nine, nine to 10, and they change it a little bit, but like the changes in his, both his appearance and just his whole person over the last 12 months, even with COVID, it just hit us yesterday. Like, like, like holy smokes, this is crazy, right? Yeah. Well, he, uh, I, well I've seen him intermittently like and he is, he is definitely changing fast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, our son is kind of the same, but different. So right. yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> so those are the two things that I've learned. What okay. about you? Well, um, try this Danish my one. book was submitted to the publisher or to the printer uh, over the course of the weekend. And we just saw the proof today that it looks spectacular. Nice. So the, um, there's just lots of things I learned about ISBN and ISBN barcode. So every time mm. you want to sell a book, you should have an ISBN on the back of it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's easy. It's free to, to get. Um, but you can also get What does a, it stand for? You know? Uh, an International Standard of Book Numbering or something like that. It's... <laughs> It, it really is something like that. It's, that a, is awesome. it's a standard for mm -hmm. book numbering. There's also one for like, if you're a musician and you're composing music, mm. there's one that's like an ISMN or something like that. Right. Musical notation or something like that. So do you have to apply <laughs> for that? Like yourself? I thought the publisher, I guess this is self-published. No, no, so. uh, well, the publisher would normally do it, but you can, and, and if you have different editions, you're supposed to have different numbers. Mm -hmm um and um yeah so it's uh it, yeah it's pretty trivial to apply for and um yeah. well congratulations on your first book <laughs> i don't know if you heard but the president uh, the former president is also releasing his first book oh yeah and it is also a picture book so <laughs> is it in crayon no no but it's uh it's uh, 300 pictures of uh, his presidency yeah uh, very little words of course and so there's a lot of humor around yeah that's about <laughs> right on brand so so ours, i think yours is going to be better ours has a lot more words um the other thing is i uh, this I confirmed something that I knew previously. Mm. So if you're a homeowner and you have a contractor working on your house, mm. um, they're the general working. They're the prime contractor. So every time you have somebody working on your house, you have to have a prime contractor. And the prime contractor is responsible for all health and safety, as well as WCB and all that kind of stuff. So I've had people working on my roof. Um, but I knew that there was a trick that it, you can't have two separate contractors mm. working on your house at the same time or you uh, run into a problem where the homeowner becomes the prime 
and you become the general and you become responsible for health and safety of the two contractors that are working on site because you're doing the coordination. So in fact, I had to get the roofers to stop yesterday in order to let my other contractor who is replacing our back door come replace the back door and then leave. Really? And uh, because the last thing on the planet that I want to have is be responsible for roofers WCB. <laughs> right. So uh, I told this to the roofer. I said, you can't be on site uh, yesterday. And, and it was great. And they're back on site today, so it's all good. But uh, that is I don't think people are used to that concept. And contractors just come and go and mind their own business. And they don't really pay attention to the other people. Yeah. But there are some logistical issues, particularly if anybody gets hurt. And, you know, if nobody gets hurt, nobody cares. But right. the yeah. problem is not when things go well. It's when things go poorly. I mean, exactly. it's kind of like in business. You, why do you have a unanimous shareholders agreement? It's not because you all get along. It's because you might someday, not. Someday. Yeah. Almost someday assuredly. You, you might not yeah. get along. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> this reminds me on the same similar note. There's so many rules that we don't know. So we had our, our washing machine broke down. And it's an old, uh, older machine, but it's a Bosch, you know? And so we always deal with the same guy. He came over and he had to change a piece and it happened to be the part that had the, the sticker that had the model number and the, and the, um, serial number. And he's like, Oh, you gotta take a picture of this. And, or if you can peel it off and put it back on and he was making a big deal out of it. And I found out, he told me it's the law. If if you have an appliance that has no serial number, that that sticker, uh, and the company finds out about it, he's not allowed to work on it. Oh, really? And it has to be immediately destroyed. So he said, <laughs> there's a woman who uh, they had bought like twenty thousand dollar appliance, it's crazy ass thing, and she pulled all the stickers off because she didn't like the look. And then he got called to service it. It's like okay. a week old, and the company said. They got to, we got to come get those and uh, we're taking them to the dump and you don't get your money back. And apparently she begged her way out of it, but it's the law because if, if there was ever a problem that caused a fire, the company would be like totally liable for in essence, an unregistered machine. Wow. And I was like, you'd think they'd put big letters on that sticker, like do not remove, <laughs> but they don't. Or like imprint it, like uh, yeah. etch it onto the. Like a VIN on your car. Yeah. But. Like so yeah, on your car, is, I mean, is in multiple places, not just on one place. That's right. Like it's actually on the bumper. There's all these. Yeah. There's like six or seven hidden locations for your VIN, so that they could they, they do that to deal with stolen vehicles all the time. But so there you go. Interesting. Just little little details that you don't know about. Those Danishes did not last long. They were tasty. <laughs> they were really good. They were really good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so those are two and a half things. Oh, and the other thing was uh, I, I learned how to put texture backgrounds on Photoshop. <laughs> so, texture backgrounds yeah, on Photoshop? So if you're trying to replace the background, uh, yeah, sometimes having a texture there instead of just a plain plain background uh, looks more realistic, and there's ways to. Oh, interesting. So, anyway. so how do you get it to not have that weird edging? That's probably what you learn. That's what you learn. Ah, very cool. Yeah. So there you go. Excellent. So today we're talking about something super cool, which is the gamification of business. Yeah. So I just ran across this term um, in this course that I'm teaching. 
And I thought, well, here's something new. And, you know, we're all about the new. So I guess at its this has kind of become a buzz thing. And uh, basically, it's using game theory and game mechanics in non-game environments. Yeah. And so we see this with um, customer service. So you're trying to modify people's behavior, predominantly your customers. Uh, so Pokemon Go totally a gamification uh, uh, app. You're also trying to use it for your own people. Like, so they're using a lot of gamification now in onboarding, training, and even performance management. So so I'm trying to understand what they mean by gamification. So so you're trying to to tap into the norm, the human, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tendency to like competition. Okay discovery and novelty so it could be as simple as a training development program where instead of giving you the book that has everything and you're like it's 200 pages it's configured using software so that you have all these stages and if you complete this then it unlocks the next level of material and so it's really using that what makes games you know so uh, attractive and addictive to us in a, in a non-game environment. Right. Uh, so KPIs, leaderboards, uh, you know, so not just having somebody have a target, but having some kind of, again, maybe technology driven scoreboard that, and if it's appropriate, you can be pitting people, you know, in friendly competition. They're talking about badges. There's all kinds of, of tech stuff that they're using to try and get people, whether it be onboarding or going through train uh, a training program or change management you know we're keeping score on how many times people use the new system right and and but it's really trying to tap into that i don't know what you want to call it there's nothing childlike about it but let's say developed in childhood curiosity about games right okay um so this has become like so many other things now a trend and now is it a good trend or a bad trend well i was thinking about that so it's certainly on some level smacks of manipulation. Um, we know that there's a big problem with employee engagement in so many businesses, right? The average employee walks around really unaware of an objective. Why are we here? The way I, I often like to say it, you know, do you know why you're here? And do you know if you're winning the game? And there's been studies that show something like one in 14 in a North American context knows an objective of their organization and if they're how they contribute. So there's this big desire to increase that, right? Cause it drives profit. And so I had the sense from the research I was looking at is that companies are jumping on board it, not so much for the good of the employees, but again, it's another tool of um, enhancing, you know, productivity. Interestingly enough though, um, in a lot of cases, it doesn't work. So huh. it's like so many other things. Article I found said it's not a substitute for bad management or or a lack of uh, uh, or bad business model. And I think what it comes down to is um, like so many other things. If you're just you know gaslighting people, like making a crappy thing that people don't care about into a game, is is not going to be successful. And so they were saying two of the biggest failures is a the same people always win. So if the game is set up, let's say for, let's say it's for uh, uh, sales, right? And you've got top salespeople. If they win all the time, 
very quickly, everybody else just gives up. They're like, they don't even bother trying. Exactly. Right. So it fails. Um, And then just making games about stuff that people don't care about. Again, you're not going to get a lot of buy-in. So there's a thing called expectancy theory that, that I teach. And it's quite simple. It basically says for something to work, for something to motivate, you need three things. And if you're going to gamify it, what I was reading, you still need the same three things. Number one, um, the person has to believe that efforts will return an outcome. So I always talk about if your boss came and said, please move this large boulder, you know, physically, you're only going to put in so much effort before you go forget it. Right. Cause you just, you know, you can't do it. Right. 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 So it's gotta be that, that belief. The second step, they got to believe that the result will give a reward. Okay. Right. So in other words, if, if I move the boulder, I'm going to get something, right? You get praise from your boss. You get, get a raise. Raise something. Whatever. And then the third step is the reward has to be meaningful. And so I'll often talk about, you know, we worked for an engineering firm years and years ago where hmm. there was the, the uh, ever on the horizon bonus that just never, never sort appeared. of appeared, right? Oh. Or when he gave out hams to everybody. And then the Muslim guys were like, great, you know, <laughs> what is this ham? So Ham, I don't know what ham is. Yeah. I will not eat ham. So I like the idea of using the game uh, mechanics and theory, you know, but I think it just comes down to the old-fashioned um, common sense. If gamifying something that, that just doesn't mean anything to people is not going to suddenly magically make it better right well it's like the whole concept of metrics when you're when you're in business you have to try and find metrics that you can use to apply for anybody's performance and some roles are easy like if you've got a salesperson a Mm -hmm. easy metric would be sales how many yeah exactly but if you have somebody who is more in a sport role or more in a like a less um deliverables based um like specific deliverables, mm-hmm. like, uh, it might be really difficult uh, to assess like somebody in a marketing role. Okay, uh, like how do you assess, so not sales, but the actual marketing, how do you measure it? So, because the, the measurement has to be uh, measurable. Yes. Meaningful. Yep. And um, there's a third one, uh, measurable, meaningful, and uh, achievable. Right. So they have to be able to achieve the metric and uh, so I, I could see that as the gamification being kind of like just an extension of that. Yeah, I think so. I can tell you one answer to your question because because I do this all the time. Um, sometimes it just becomes finding a metric that honestly everybody agrees is your best guess. Exactly. So a great example would be like reception, right? Yeah. So maybe the the you know the the end point difficult to measure is the impression that customers get. So that's really hard to measure, but with a little bit of research and maybe some common sense and and consensus, you may decide, or people may agree that an answering of the phone promptly generally tends to contribute to that outcome. So then you maybe make that the metric. You say, you know, 95% of the time we want the phone answered within three rings. Now, you don't really know if it's giving you the outcome, but if you pick two, three that, you know, maybe you think, maybe you get the person there, but maybe you talk to some customers and say, you know, like, what would you, you know, 
would you care if we answered the phone more promptly? You can make those measurable, but yeah, sometimes it's hard to measure the, the actual thing. So you have to do it kind of like by proxy, right? Well, I remember, um, for that firm that we used to work for a long That's time. That's a great ago. word there by proxy <laughs> more, uh, more recently. Uh, well, more recently, it's not recent. It was a number of years ago, <laughs> but long since after I left there, I saw a card from one of their receptionists and uh, it said, uh, her position was the manager of first impressions. Yes. I met that woman. <laughs> nice, nice lady. Yeah. I, I don't even remember who she was. Yeah. I think her name was Tanya or something. So, but yeah. And, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, it, it de does definitely, uh, sound more linked to their actual role than than actual receptionist like exactly receptionist sounds very 1950s and um yeah um i'm very patriarchal yes but uh, but in terms of uh a manager first impression that really to me it was kind of this thing where it both sounded very presumptuous but it was very accurate at the same time <laughs> well I, I think that's kind of the challenge and maybe that's the trick right if you can so we use this model and, and we spend a lot of time just trying to answer the question, why does this role exist? And, you know, the, the traditional micromanaging approach, you see these job descriptions and it's this bullet list of, of specific things, right? Do this, unlock that, fill this in. And that's really like, you can go and fill on all the boxes and still accomplish like kind of nothing, right? <laughs> It's true. It's yeah, just yeah. busy work, right? So by trying to ask the question, sometimes with the person in, in particular to help them get to develop it and say, well, why does this role exist? So the reception role, you know, is it to make sure there's scotch tape in the tape dispenser? Well, maybe that's like a really secondary thing. It's about customers or clients are going to come in and we want them to feel welcome. So I think manager first receptions actually comes a lot closer to why it exists then apparently also know. it's for uh, receiving amazon prime deliveries <laughs> so uh, when i went to uh <laughs> the company i retired from uh um in their montreal office uh which is actually in laval not montreal but uh that's splitting hairs um they were having a problem splitting islands yeah <laughs> They were, it was, uh, that was the thing it, uh, their, the, the receptionist's role or the manager of first impressions role was changing because basically they were getting more deliveries for people personally than, um, than they were getting for the business. Oh, interesting. So they're right? more Amazon prime because part of it is that that's uh, funny. It's way more secure. Of course. It shows up at, at the office. Yep. Um, more convenient for people um so it was seen as a bit of a perk yeah um yeah and yeah, it's yeah. uh yeah and you don't have to worry about people uh <laughs> stealing from your porch uh, well they have that uh they have that product now right that sort of amazon lockbox have you seen this no i haven't seen that oh yeah so you i don't know if amazon sells it i assume they would but it's like a secure fairly heavy box with a uh, like a like a code access lock, which I guess you give to Amazon, and, then they, uh, and so they it. just put your parcel in this secure, it's like a safe of some sort. Right? Yeah, and that yeah. just says Amazon it, because yeah, 
you know, as soon as you invent something new, somebody else comes along and you get all these folks that are on, on those uh, Nest cameras stealing people's packages, right? So someone else comes along and goes, all right, we're going to invent a heavy box that you lock. And I think there's an app on your phone. I think maybe you can even unlock it. Like the Amazon guy texts you and says, I'm here. And then you unlock the box. He puts your package in. And, do you see? Right. The world is a wonderful place. <laughs> Innovation driven by, hey, somebody stole my package. Well, it was like, uh, there's a, there's this uh, YouTuber. His name is Mark Robert. Robert. I don't yeah. know if you've ever seen this guy. So he created, uh, he was having troubles with people stealing his Amazon packages or some, stealing somebody else's. And he wanted to set set up because there, apparently there's like these rings of people. Who oh, steal, yeah, totally. So, um, so he set up this glitter bomb thing. Oh, yes. I have seen these. It right? had, uh, so it basically uh, looks like a package. It's got like multiple cell phones. It's got multiple cameras recording. And uh, if you open it up, it starts spinning. And there's like this glitter that goes everywhere. And uh, like a sp uh, sprays a fart smell or whatever, like a, Great. a stink bomb. So uh, and uh, because the cell phones are there, they uh, they have you can find them, you can track them. <laughs> so he would track them and they would see where they were. And yeah, and they'd have video of the person getting caught taking them. There's anyway, so th there's been constant a, creativity there's been, around been, been crime and punishment and deterrence. There's, and back there's and forth. a lot of uh, I, I will put the link in YouTube. Yeah. For. Uh, for Mark Robert's glitter bomb yep. package dealer. So anyways, but anyway, so. bottom line, if you're going to gamify. Boy, we went a long you're, way you're, from gamifying well, the work environment all, to glitter all, bomb. It all links Amazon though, right? But yeah. So, but if you're going to gamify, it's like, it's like so many other things. It's not, it's not a, a, an end all magic fix where you're like, Hey, there's this crappy thing you hate doing, but now we've made it a game. That's, that's not going to cut it. You gotta, you know, align people's interests and, and it still has to be, you know, there's no, there's no shortcut for good management, re regrettably. This is true. This is true. So, um, is that all we were going to talk about for gamification today? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think we've, I think we've kicked the snot out of that one. So now. what, what well. media are you consuming? Uh, first episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, uh, dropped you, last week. So I have not seen it yet. It I, was good. In theory, I have it recorded. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. I won't, I won't spoil it. Um, <laughs> not like our spoiler episode, yeah. which so spoiled still, everything. Still way out in the future. So that gives them some leeway. There was a really neat callback to a previous Star Trek series, which uh, a lot of people on, on the web were like, Ooh, that gave me the chills. And I wouldn't say it gave me the chills, but I, I thought it was cool. So there's that. And, uh, what else have I been consuming? Oh, I'm, I'm I haven't consumed it yet, but I'm very much looking forward to uh, Hawkeye uh, on Disney Plus, which I think starts tomorrow. Twenty uh, fifth, uh, two November twenty fifth. November twenty fifth, the yeah. two first episodes. Uh, I really like Jeremy Renner, and I think it's just going to be a hoot. Awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. Excellent. Um, you. Well, I saw the end of uh, Foundation. Uh, the Foundation. Oh, right. That was really good. It did a really good job of, I, I think that um, as a series, it kind of 
it was a lot of build up because it had so much to explain. Yep. Yep. But um, so early, early part of the season, like, you know, episodes two to maybe four or five. Okay. It was, it was a little disjointed because it was just spent a lot of time on certain parts of the story. And oh, some, yeah. some of it lagged a bit, but then it started finding its feet and in, in each episode, you were getting like a little progression of... Okay. And then by the final episode, there's some really interesting uh, challenges and developments for all of the... Uh, uh, all of the contractors... Uh, all of the contractors. All of the... And if two of them come to your, t- to your all universe, of the you're responsible. <laughs> yes, if you two of, two of the... Yes. <laughs> But so it was really interesting and, interesting. and definitely some, I, I find the, uh, and this is not a spoiler at all, but there is a, an arc related to the Cleonic, um, Cleonic dynasty, the genetic dynasty. Okay. It's explained right at the very beginning of the first episode. Right. Um, but, uh, there are some real challenges. I think the story arc for them is way more interesting than I would have thought possible. Interesting. Um, yeah. from the Good. first episode, like they really have some interesting challenges and struggles and it's way more interesting characters than you would think. They seem right. very distant and remote kind of like, well, I mean, the queen does a good job, but she always seems very remote. So uh, there's a certain aspect of that in the in the story. In, in the yeah. story, and uh, so and this then, will be multi-season. Then, I mean, yeah, they've been approved for, or they've been renewed for a second season. Ah, I'm sure it's going to be a long time before it shows up, but uh, it's really good. <laughs> um, oh, I, I accidentally watched something the other day because <laughs> we never watch cable. Were you aware that they've 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 done a it's not even a reboot, but there's a Magnum PI series. Yes. But it's all it's the same characters, but like all different people. Yes, I did. It's I, terrible. <laughs> I watched a few minutes of it with my younger son and I was like, this is rubbish. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Higgins is a woman. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, she's, she's quite well. I think he still drives an old Ferrari. They've come up with some excuse for that. And it's all the same characters, but like totally different actors. Uh, I was just like, that's, that's bizarre. <laughs> it's really bizarre. And, uh, you know, I mean, I watched the lead and I thought, well, this guy's a pretty good actor. Why not just create a new character for him? He seems, you know, like, but he's no Tom Selleck. Like it's, it's unavoidable to compare to Tom Selleck. It's like if they did a new uh, WKRP or Barley Miller and just like, yeah, we're just going to recast all of the people. It just seems like, come on, come up with something original, man. <laughs> well, exactly. I, well, and I, I, I saw the advertisement for it and I totally kind of ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because I mean, they really, they're playing like all the, all the same characters. Yeah, Rick TC uh, Magnum. Uh, even the uh, Asian uh, head of the police, uh, like the uh, Honolulu Police Department, it's all the same characters. Uh, like I said, Higgins, but totally different actors. And now he's a he's an Afghanistan war veteran, as opposed to Vietnam, which you know makes sense. Okay. I guess they all are. But it's just like, why, yeah. <laughs> why? Exactly. Um, I'm also watching Finch. You mentioned with Tom Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, I'm about halfway through it. 
I'm watching in bits and pieces. What's it's that about, Matt? Well, it's a post-apocalyptic, uh, another post-apocalyptic, <laughs> but basically the Earth has been decimated by uh, by a gamma solar flare, like a massive solar flare. Oh, so it's Sine Verite then. And it's uh, destroyed the <laughs> Any ozone minute. layer and caused all kinds of problems. Wow. And this is a survivor and he's got uh, a dog. Of course. Named Finch. No, the, oh. the guy's name is Finch. The dog's name is Goodyear. Huh. Um, and he doesn't actually get, talk to the dog. But he, it's very interesting. Uh, I don't know where it's going. And he has created a, he has created um, uh, an AI-based robot that is working with him. Okay. To, to try and help him out. And so this AI robot is... It's he's both smart and childlike at the same time because he's learning stuff. Right. And he's been programmed with a ton of information. Um, so he has lots of information to draw on, but um, lacks experience. Sure. So it's really quite interesting. I have no idea where this is going. Um, so I'm only halfway through. So I'm, this is a series as well? No, it's a single, single show. Oh, it's a movie. It's a single movie, but I keep starting watching it way too late and then uh, interesting so um and uh the other thing i watched is i watched the second of the the trilogy the fear street trilogy did you ever see Fear Street? oh no i think my my older boy watched the first part yeah yeah so it's really interesting yeah. it is a yeah. slasher movie that is kind of uh, it's clever uh, although I have to say there's a massive plot hole in <laughs> oh yeah in the second episode uh, that involves an outhouse oh but, okay uh, <laughs> but um we'll look into it <laughs> the outhouse is significant and there's a part of it that just makes absolutely no sense but for the purposes of the story that's not important okay and um uh, but the uh the uh, the thing that's really cool about it is that it um, it kind of as you go through you learn more. So the there is set in three different time periods and okay. it goes backwards in time. Oh, interesting. So the first one is like nineteen eighty something, right? Street, so it's all done eighty style. Sure, and sure, then it goes sure, sure. back. To, Everybody's cashing in on that. And then it uh, goes to uh, Stranger Things eighties uh, nostalgia vibe. Yeah, and then yeah. and then it goes back to one in. 76 or something like okay, that. Okay, even, even further back, Which yeah. is so part two is actually further back in time. Right. And why they went back makes total sense. And then yeah. part three is six. So it must be 1986, 1976, and then 1666. Oh, wow. So then the next one, I haven't watched the last one, but uh, it's I really interesting. That, how, look. that reminds me that I guess they're doing a reboot of The Wonder Years. Uh, African American family, I from what I remember seeing, but this is the part that really got to me. It's set in the nineties, <laughs> so the grown-up guy is now remembering his childhood from the nineties. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, the Wonder Years, the original series was set in the in the sixties. Which when we watched it as kids, because that was like, oh yeah, a long time ago. But we were already grown up in the nineties, and yeah. now it's like, eh, it's a show about a kid growing up in the nineties. It's all nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, I read an interesting article in The Atlantic that talked about, um, and I don't know if I shared this with you, but talked about turning 60 and not recognizing the, the not really, so having seen photos of when they were a kid. Oh, yeah, and, you mentioned this, yeah. And not recognizing what the environment was at the time because it's so far in the past you don't right. really remember it sure and um and it's just so far removed i mean yeah it's like it's uh anyway it's it's kind of interesting how these <laughs> it's almost these sounds orwellian these nostalgia we've things. always had iphones <laughs> <laughs> well i don't think my son can imagine the world without the internet but <laughs> Anyway, so there you go. I think that's it for this week for All episode right. 26, uh, 26, half a year. Yeah. Good Onward job. and upwards. Good job, Jeff. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Jeff. Still having fun. I have an idea for what we're going to do for next week. Do you want to reveal it? Or I will do. It be, let's have it. I'm going to do, uh, uh, I'm going to do 12 Christmas gift ideas for your photographer friends. Ah, very cool. Because... It's getting to be that time of year. And with yeah. supply chain uh, disruption issues. Sure. You may want to get the orders in early. Is one of them your book? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> See you then. Have Mark. a great week. Bye. Goodbye.